Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, uh, Damien, for those, those songs. It was wonderful. So I greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Uh, just excited to be here and to worship Jesus Christ this morning. Um, it was at Minister's Week this week for a few days and just, yeah, was richly blessed. Um, I learned a lot and just was inspired sitting under the teaching of God's Word and um, teachers like Frank Reed there and other speakers that um, just so much input and information and just felt a little bit overwhelmed maybe at times, just felt like maybe my head was going to explode. But I was just, yeah, just trying to write stuff down and just one thing I learned there in the, the two days I was there that God's Word has so much in there that sometimes that I miss that we only maybe scratch the surface at times. But, you know, I want to do more just to dig in and discover the fountain of, of living water that is so rich that is in God's word. And <clears throat> um, so some of this that I'm going to talk about this morning is some stuff that I had learned at, while I was out there at SMBI. And this morning I want to look at water and I want to draw some parallels to Jesus as being the living water. So the title of the message is The Water of Life. <clears throat> and so you can turn with me in your Bibles a while to John chapter 4. <clears throat> this is the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And I believe it was a divine appointment. <clears throat> So what I want to do here is I want to read verses 1. I think we're just going to take the time to read it so we can get the whole story here. Uh, remember, bring it back to our memories. Uh, just going to stop there, read down to like verse 30. So what I want to do is I'll read the verses in black, and then all of you read the verses in red, what Jesus spoke in red. So I'll start here. When therefore the world, the Lord, knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, 
The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman let, then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And we'll stop there. So looking here in the first part of this chapter here, we see that Jesus departed from Judea and went unto Galilee. And just, I have a little map here. I wish I'd have an overhead to be able to show it more clearly, but this is Judea down here in the bottom. This is where Jesus was going from. He was headed up here to Galilee. And he had to go through this section here in the center which was Samaria. And so he, he uh, went through this, this area of Samaria, and this was an area that a lot of times the Jews would uh, avoid going through. They avoided going through that area of Samaria uh, because of uh, the, when, when the northern kingdom of Israel was overtaken by the Assyrians, there was people that came over from this other country and they were brought in to help make peace in the area. And so they, the Jews intermarried with these foreigners, and those people were called the, Samar the Samaritans. And the, the, the Jews here were, were uh, kind of partial to them. They, they just they didn't like them because they felt like they um, came in and kind of betrayed the nation there. Uh, but Jesus was not prejudiced. And we see that we know that he loved the Gentiles. He loved all men. And I believe he was looking for a divine appointment as he was heading up through this area. He walked right through Samaria, and he was passing through there. And so he was thirsty. It was the middle of the day, and he sat on a well. It says it was the sixth hour, which was around noontime. And his disciples were not there. They were out to eat somewhere. And this was a time of the day when most people did not come to draw water. It was... The middle of the day, it was hot. Most of the people came in the morning or the evening when they came to draw water. And <clears throat> so maybe this, maybe what's the reason I wonder that she came at this time of the day? Maybe it was because of her reputation. She didn't want to see people um, around this time. Um, I've heard it said that this woman was carrying more than a water, uh, than a jar, a clay jar of water. She was carrying more than that. 
She was probably carrying guilt from her, her life, her lifestyle. And um, even some of her own people wouldn't, wouldn't relate or, or associate with her. She was considered an, an outcast. Um, the Jews, it was said that the Jews wouldn't even drink from a Samaritan woman's, or a Samaritan's jar of water or their cup. Um, but here was a man that came and he spoke to her. He said, give me to drink. And, you know, Jesus could look past the fact that she was a Samaritan. He could see right through her and see into her, her heart. And I believe right here, Jesus showed the world that the gospel is for all men. The gospel is for everyone, not just the Jews. And to, to think about who she was speaking to right here at this, at this uh, event. She was speaking to Jesus, who was the creator of the universe. He created everything that, that they could see. He created the water that was in the well. And <clears throat> he was the supreme ruler above all else. And yet here he is asking for a drink of water from her, from this Samaritan woman, <clears throat> who was a sinner, who was a Samaritan, the lowest of the low, you might say. And you know, how is it that she had anything to offer? This was Jesus. This was God who made water come from the rock in the wilderness when there was no water around. He made water come from the rock, and yet he's asking her for a drink of water. <clears throat> he did not, Jesus did not need anything from her. He already had everything that she didn't, that he had everything that, that she needed. And, but, and yet he wanted something. He's asking for a water. He didn't need it, but he wanted something. What is he actually desiring from her at this time? What was it? I believe if we look later on in the verses, we see that he wanted her worship. And it says, they that worship him, he says, must worship him in spirit and in truth. So in order to plead for her worship, Jesus used this water illustration, the water that is so necessary for life, the element of life, as an illustration. He used that as an icebreaker to get into her, into her, her heart, to help her to see her need for what was real, for what she needed. He wanted her to acknowledge that she was missing something, that there was something in there that she needed. There was a void that needed to be filled. And Jesus wanted to help her see that he was the only one that could fill that void in her life. So I asked the question this morning, how can we, how can we come to Jesus in our fallen state, in our imperfections, our, our, um, and, and how can we be a refreshment to our creator? What do we have to offer? Jesus don't ask much. He asked to us to come in our fallen sinful state, wherever we are, and to, just to, and to worship him. It doesn't matter what we have done. How, how much wrong we have done in our, in our lives. He's asking that we give our allegiance and our heart in worship to him. <clears throat> Notice in verse 10, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. If only you knew who, if only she knew who Jesus was. Um, and Jesus used this opportunity just to grab her attention. Living water, never thirst. I mean, this stuff was foreign to her. She hadn't heard of this ever before, um, never heard of the likes before. <clears throat> so <clears throat> she, 
she, uh, she, she didn't fully grasp, I don't think at this time, what Jesus was saying. Um, but, you know, for us today, we have this story that we read about and we can look back on. But put, it, put ourselves in, put, put your, yourself in her shoes here this morning. Um, you know, would, would we have believed in, can, can we believe, do we believe in that living water that is so readily available? <clears throat> And we see that she was expecting a Messiah to come in verse later on in the, in the in verse 25. When he will come, he will tell us all things. Um, but we see that through this account, later there was many that believed. There was many people that believed in the Samaritans uh, village there that believed. And they actually invited Jesus to stay. They, he stayed for like two years or so. Or it wasn't two years, two weeks maybe. Um, but anyway, he stayed there for a, a little while. And there was many that believed. There was many that were saved because of this little lesson at the well. So I want to look at this morning, look at water, H2O as we know it, and compare it with Jesus, the living water. So the first point I want to look at here is water is a gift from God. H2O as we know it is a gift from God. And we know how water recycles, how water rains and then that rain runs down through the creeks and the streams runs into the rivers and eventually runs into the ocean and then the water evaporates and, and then it rains and it's a gift from heaven to earth especially in in the hot summertime when it's when it's hot and and it's and it's uh dried up and everything is is dried up and needing rain it's brown and it rains a thunderstorm comes through and it rains and it's it's a beautiful thing it is a, a gift from God. Now, many of you here have dug wells at your place. And um, you're, when you're getting ready to dig a well, you're unsure, kind of, you know, hoping that, that you're going to hit water. And you uh, dig down and you might go 100 foot or you might go 300 foot or even deeper than that. But it's a gift from God when that water, when you put the pump in there and it pumps water out and water comes out of the ground. It is, it is certainly God's gift. Um, our, our, at our house, there's a, our well has, is very little. Very little water comes from our well, but it's enough. It's sufficient. But um, right just on the, up from the, from the well there, there's a spring house, and it's kind of built into the, the bank there. And there's water coming out. Of, there's rocks in the, in the back of it there, and water is continually running out of that rock and it doesn't stop it continues to flow out of the out of the rock and sometimes when it when it's a heavy rain it'll actually run out over through the the doorway there it'll run out when it when it rains heavy so I don't know explain that down way down three four hundred foot you don't get much and on the surface there's springs everywhere but <clears throat> Water is mentioned 722 times in the Bible. It's mentioned more than faith, hope, prayer, and worship. Not that any of those are not important, but it should draw our attention here um, to, to there's a, you know, the reason why it's mentioned so many times. Water is mentioned in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 2. It's mentioned, and also the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17. And we'll get into that then. You can turn uh, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Let's look a little bit at water in the very first chapter of the Bible. 
That brings us to the second point here, which water is necessary for life. Created here on the first day, Genesis 1. I'm just going to read uh, the first, first two verses here. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There it is, water. Before anything else was created, God made the water. And it says the earth was without form and void, and then it goes on to talk about the firmament, how, how God divided the firmament, firmament from the water. Now, whatever that's the firmament means there, whether it's the universe, the open sky, whatever, he separated that, and then the earth, and then he created the earth, the dry, the dry land. And the water, he, he created the seas, it says in verse um, 9, I think it is. Yeah, the dry land and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And so the seas, the oceans as we know it, is all, they're all connected by one large body of water. <clears throat> and water makes up 71% of, of, of the earth today. 71% of the earth is water. And, <clears throat> you know, we think, why so much water? Couldn't it be, couldn't it be going 50-50 or you know, give us, give more land to the earth, but he need, we need water. Why, do, why so much water? Because water is essential for life. You know, the human body is made up of 70% water. 70%, approximately 70% of the human body is water. And our lungs, we don't, we can't get water in our lungs. If I would take some water here and, and breathe it into my lungs, it would create a giant mess up here. Water does not work to get into our lungs. But and yet our lungs are 83% water. 83% of our lungs is water, according to my findings there. The, the bones, a bone, you would think, a, our skeleton, our makeup, our bones, you think that's just a, a dry bone. Bones are 31% water. <clears throat> you know, I say all this to say that as water is essential for our physical our physical lives here on earth, it's very essential. Is Jesus essential for our spiritual lives this morning? Is Jesus essential? How many would say that he is? I think all of us would agree that Jesus is so necessary. Um, what would life be without Jesus Christ in our lives this morning? John 14, verse 6. <clears throat> I'm just going to read that here real, real, real briefly here. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. This was just before he died. He was at the Last Supper here, talking with his disciples, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> no man cometh unto the Father except by me. He, he supplies our needs. Our needs are supplied through Jesus Christ if we receive him and receive that living water. The very last book of the Bible, you don't have to turn to, turn to there, but Revelation 21, verse 17 says, I'm sorry, Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That's an invitation for us to drink. And when you do, it is the most fulfilling, satisfying water that you, can, that you can take. And those three words there just jump out to me. 
That makes, it's, it, it makes up the gospel. It says, and whosoever will. And whosoever will. Those three words, it, it makes it the beauty of the gospel. It's, we're not forced. It's, we're, it's not a forced gospel message. But it's free. It's free for the taking. And, you know, to the, to the unbelievers at the final judgment day, you know, no one can say they didn't have a chance. They weren't, they weren't accepted. But the beauty of it is, is it is free. And when it is received, it is rivers of living water flowing through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> another, another class that I took out there at SMBI was um, uh, by Dale, Dale Eby, and it was entitled, When They Ask. And he is, Dale Eby is, is one that receives calls from the Christian Aid Ministry billboards throughout the country. He receives the calls when people call in to, to them. And he has all kinds of, he was telling some stories, he has all kinds of people calling in, any, anybody from Mormons to transgenders, he has, he has many different people calling in. And he has the opportunity to present the gospel. And... <clears throat> There was, in the, in the class, he was, he was uh, talking about when people ask, what, what, what do you tell them when they say there is no God? There's, you know, what do you, what do you have to say? And there was, he was talking about evidences of God. He went through a list of all, the, and I'm not going to go through all that, but one thing that stuck out to me is a transformed life. That's evidence, evidence of, of a God. It is, it is evidence of a creator. The fact that a person can be a drug addict or a drunkard on the street and can be taken into and can, can be transformed into a new creature in Christ. No one can deny that power. I mean, that is, there's no religion that can say that that can happen. No atheist can deny that that is true, that there's something about that. It is miraculous. And that was just one thing that stuck out to me um, there. The third point, water is a universal need. It is distributed over the whole earth. Without it, we would die. There's not a single living organism on this earth that doesn't need water to survive. Not a single one. You might think in the desert, you know, animals that live in the desert, that it's 110 degrees all the time, it doesn't rain. You, know, you might think they, they don't need water, but they do. They need water. They can go, some can go a couple years without, without water, but they do need water. And it is the same way with us. Without Christ, we need water. How long can we go without Christ flowing through us and in us? How long can we go? You know, you, they say the human body can go, what, three or four days at a week at the most without water. And for us to go a whole, a couple days, three or four days at a, at a time without reading God's word and, and taking in, I think we would look pretty, pretty withered, pretty dried up. Um, and, you know, if we can go a few days, three or four days or whatever, without having Christ and, it, and without it affecting us in any way, I think it should initiate red flags to think if we can go that long. We need Christ every day. We need Christ in our lives and through us. We cannot survive. We cannot survive without Jesus controlling our lives. <clears throat> this, the fourth point, water descends from heaven in its purity. Now, how pure is rainwater? <clears throat> rainwater you can use to rinse your vehicle off, and you don't have spots. Um, uh, some people use spoutings to, and run it into their cistern, and then they pump it out of there to rinse off their vehicle. It doesn't leave the residue 
on, on, the, on their vehicle. It's, for the most part, it's, it's pure. And I'm not a scientist, um, but I do know that water, rainwater, as it cycles, it evaporates, and then it lets all the impurities and all the bad minerals and everything behind. And then so when it evaporates up and then rains down again, for the most part, it's pure. <clears throat> and just, as, just the same as Christ descended from heaven, and he notes that in, in various verses here in John chapter 6, I think he, he mentions it like five times in John chapter 6, where Christ descended down from heaven. <clears throat> and I don't know that I'm going to take the time to, to look through them, but there's different verses there in John chapter 6. Uh, verse 33 says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. 38 says, For I came down from heaven. And 50, verse 50 says, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven. 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And the fact that he mentions that so many times, we should, we should consider that and, and look at that, um, that Jesus Christ coming down, coming down from out of heaven. And we can use the analogy there of, of manna in the Old Testament where manna came down and, it's, and it was pure. It provided for them, for the people. It had... It supplied all their needs. Everything they needed, it was there because it sustained life for that amount of time. And just as water, rainwater descends from heaven, Christ came down out of heaven in its purest form, uh, and he came to bring us redemption. <clears throat> Fifthly, it refreshes and it satisfies. <clears throat> water refreshes and it satisfies. Is that true? <clears throat> So this cup of water here is, it, 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 looks, it looks pretty clear, pretty clean. It looks like it's pretty good. And thank you, whoever that was that got this water for me. I'm blessed to have to be able to drink water. Now, this, the, the only way to taste, to, to uh, see if this is good is to taste it, right? I mean, if I, if I uh, taste it, that's the only way. My mouth is a little dry right now, so I'm going to do more than taste. I'm going to drink this water. Mm, that's some good water. And water is good. It washes down. It cleanses. <clears throat> um, and in John chapter 6, verse 35, Yeah, I'm the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Um, I had to think, did you, have you ever drink, drank a soda or a Gatorade all day? And it just leaves a nasty aftertaste in your mouth. It's, it's not good to drink that all day long. But anyway, when you drink water, you can drink water a long time. In the summertime or whatever, you can drink a lot. I know sometimes if you drink two gallons of water a day, you're ready for something different. But for the most part, water, you can, you can handle water. And it's, it's good. <clears throat> Do you find Jesus Christ that way in your life this morning? Do you find him to satisfy does he satisfy you? Um, if he doesn't, if not, maybe we just we need to open our hearts and allow him to come and to quench our to quench our thirst and to satisfy us. <clears throat> John chapter seven. There's a couple of verse, two verses here I want to read right here. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, "If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water." 
the setting here was, was the time of the Feast of the Tabernacle. And they were, they were, it was a time of sacrifice. They would live in tents for maybe a week, a week at a time. And they were drawing water out of the pool of Siloam. It was a, an event that they did, a ceremony that they did. They would draw water out of this pool. And they would also pray for rain. That rain would come out across the, the whole world. And Jesus, seeing them, them doing this here, he's seen them here, and he said, he stood up and cried, saying, <clears throat> you know, here again, it is open. He says, if any man thirsts, it is open for anyone, for all men to come, and you will find meaning and purpose in life. <clears throat> I had to, to, just thinking of a living, just thinking of a living water, flowing like a river. I had to think of Niagara Falls. Many of you have probably seen Niagara Falls. 75,000 gallons of water goes over there every second. And just to think, that is an abundant, continuous flow of water. You know, that's a picture, should be a picture of us drinking from God's word and God allowing us to be cleansed and to live in joy and peace. <clears throat> you know, Jesus here spoke to the audience that was here. Um, how, how often has he spoken to you this morning through music or through <clears throat> the preaching of God's word or reading, of, or reading God's word? He says, if you are thirsty, please come and drink. <clears throat> but we see that many times in, in the last chapter, many times they rejected him. The people that he was speaking to rejected him. There was a lot of, a lot of those that did that didn't, but there was many that did. And... <clears throat> You know, this morning, God's heart is that we can experience living water. <clears throat> His heart is that we can flow from uh, a praise of him and worship him. And, you know, this morning, if, if there's somebody here that's not experiencing that living water, I would say please talk to somebody afterwards and, and pray with them that we can receive that living water. Because <clears throat> at the end of our lives, the only thing that is going to matter is whether we chose we chose Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Lastly, one never tires of it. I talked about that a little before. Um, you can drink water and you don't really get tired. I've never heard, not too often I hear people say that I'm just tired of, tired of drinking water. Um, and have you ever heard anybody say, I'm just, I'm just tired of living for Jesus. I'm tired of living in victory. I'm tired of living with the joy of Jesus. Don't, don't hear people say that. Not to my understanding. <clears throat> One never tires of it. So we looked at these, these areas here. It's a gift from God. It's necessary for life. It's a universal need. Descends from heaven in its purity. Refreshes and it satisfies. And one never tires of it. So in conclusion here, Water, the water of life is for each one of us. And, you know, Jesus comes. He comes to the outcasts in the world. He comes to the lowest of the low, the sinner, the Samaritan, and, you know, the most wretched sinner that is out there. And he draws them to himself. He is calling to come and drink. Maybe the well is deep and there is nothing to draw with. The well is deep and we have nothing to draw with. But we can come with our failures and our imperfections. And he has the means for us to draw and to drink deeply.
chapter 4 of John, verse 21 to 24, says, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye know not what, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he is asking for our worship, our worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus, the Bible describes Jesus as a giver, not a taker. He didn't demand. He didn't demand. He asked. <clears throat> he asked for her worship. <clears throat> Seeketh such to worship. And then he goes on how to describe how to worship, to worship in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> so <clears throat> think of it with me again here this morning. Um, what, what do we have to offer? He asks this woman here at the well, for a drink. And what is it that we have to offer? Is it, is, is it really what he wanted? Did he want a drink or of water, or was he getting into something more? Was there something deeper that he was getting at into her life? And um, for us this morning, what is it that we have to offer? Is it our sinfulness, our, our uh, broken state, um, maybe our talents, um, maybe our businesses, farms, whatever, <clears throat> our houses, um, maybe our lifetime of good deeds that we, that we have accomplished. It's, and, it's, and the list goes on and on, etc. But we have nothing. We don't have, we have absolutely nothing. The only thing that we can do is to come to Jesus in, with a broken life, a broken heart, and worship, and worship him. There's nothing that we have that he already does not have. <clears throat> and so he asks us to come to worship him in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> and, you know, he wants to fill us with a living water like an artesian well. Uh, an artesian well is like a well that just overflows and overflows, and, you know, and runs like, like a river runs. Not like that cool mountain stream that in the summertime, it's dried up, and then come fall, it's flowing. Um, I've seen plenty of them up in the mountains where in the, sun, in the, in the fall of the year you come and it's, it's a roaring stream coming out of the mountains, and in the summertime it can be all dried up. <clears throat> but Jesus, his power within us should be like that river that never dries up. So the verse I want, if all of you, you ought to write this verse down. Isaiah 61, verse 3. Let's turn to that here in closing. Isaiah 61, verse 3. Write this verse down in your Bible. <clears throat> to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So, Jesus wants to take what is bleak and hopeless. He wants to turn that to beauty. It says, beauty for ashes. And that's what he does. He takes our imperfections and 
our, our failures, and he turns and creates new life, beauty for ashes, and he puts joy in the place of mourning. <clears throat> oil for the oil, the oil of, the, of joy for mourning. He takes the spirit of heaviness and turns it to a garment of praise in the place of heaviness. And he does that all over the world, and he can do that in your life this morning. To a tree of righteousness. And, you know, Jesus calls us to worship where we are. Um, you know, he didn't say to the woman there to go to the priest, go to the priest and be sanctified or go do your rituals. And or even he didn't even say that you need to prove that you can be a good person. He just says, just just worship, worship me. And, you know, he's asking us, come as we are in our fallen state or brokenness, whatever, and worship and you know, the spirit of truth, to worship in spirit and truth um, means, you know, to worship him and to allow him to rid of our, our, uh, of our um, impurities, allow him to take over and cleanse our life, cleanse our hearts, and we can uh, be as that river of living water. And in the end of that verse, he says, that he might be glorified. You know, that's what Jesus wants this morning. He wants to be glorified. And I think that is our heart, too, as well, that Jesus Christ can be glorified. He says, give me your cup, your drink, and I will carry your burden. <clears throat> he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I want this to be personal here this morning. Um, if you're at the point where you're just running and you're tired, you're just weary or tired of running, um, just bring it to Jesus. And he is there standing with open arms, ready to receive, and um, it, will, it will transform your life. And it will be a cup uh, that is running over. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I was j just on the way to church this morning. We were listening to uh, um, some songs, and the, there's th three different. We were flowing on a river this morning, coming to church. It was three different times they were. It, it was talking about a river in a dry and thirsty land. I know where there's water in the burning desert sand. I know where there's water. There's a place where I can go where the living water flows to refresh my weary soul. I know there's water. Sometimes there's famine in the land in which I dwell, but I know there's a mountain in which the living water flows. When the, world, when the world takes my strength, then there is nothing left. There's a wellspring where I drink from where the living water flows. I know where there's water. I can't really talk it without singing it. Then another, another song. Step into the water way down a little deeper. Another song, Jesus flow like a river, plunge me deeper, let your living waters flow. Never a river so peaceful, never a river still pure. Never have I had a cleansing so deep and so sure, but now I found what satisfies my soul. So we were listening to the praises of, of river running on the way to church this morning. But anyway, my desire is that each of us that we can be flowing with the love of Jesus and that we would have a heart that desires to worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we come to you again this morning and 
We just thank you for that living water that is so readily available and that it is free for each one of us. Lord, we thank you that you made that available and that all we need to do is ask. And you will come and cleanse us, rid us of wrong, and that we can live a life in obedience to you and ultimately experience um, the joys of eternity with you someday. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for each one here. Just pray that you would guide us and direct us as we go from here, that uh, we could speak truth into the lives of others and that our lives could be an example of you and that we could be representatives of your kingdom. Just be with us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. In your name I pray. Amen.